For the last two weeks, last two weeks before this one and this week, we've been talking about what happened when God's fire touches God's people. If you'd remember, we went to three locations. This is our third location. The first location was with Elijah up on the mountain. The second one was with Moses as he met with God in the backside of a desert and he saw that bush burning. And today we're going to go to the first meeting of the church of Jesus Christ in the upper room when the fire of God came down and touched them and what effect that had. I was trying to find a connection. I haven't seen this anywhere. But I was trying to find a connection between those three events. When God's fire fell out of heaven and touched God's people, what was the connection? I believe I see it. If you look at the fire of Elijah, you will find that was all about worship. They had begun worshiping others. It touched the sacrifice that they had filleted and put up there. And it was all about restoration, the restoration of God's people, the restoration of the God of Israel. But it was ultimately about the lamb who is the sacrifice for our sins. And God's fire came down. The second thing we talked about was the fire of Moses, which was about weakness. Weakness. God came to him and said, I want you to do this. He said, I can't do it. He said, oh, yes, you can. He said, I can't. And he argued with God. And it was about his weakness. He had to touch his servant on this one. And it was all about a rescue, that God wanted to send his servant to go rescue his people. But how did God rescue his people? Do you remember? On that last day, what did they have to do? They had to kill a little lamb. They had to take the butt of that lamb. They had to put it on top of the door, on either side of the door. And God's angel passed by, and everybody who wasn't under the blood of the lamb was killed. And everyone who was, was let out. It was all about the lamb. And then the third thing today, the fire of the church was all about witness. He touched the soul winners. It was all about redemption. And redemption is all about the Lamb. The Lamb of God is slain to take away the sins of the world. And it just overwhelmed me to think that the same fire that touched Elijah and Moses and touched his church was the same fire that I'm praying will come into our hearts today. If you have your Bible, the Bible describes it this way. We'll just start reading in, verse, in chapter 2, and I'll just read three or four verses to set the stage. God's people were up there. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen. They were waiting for God. Jesus had been killed. He had been buried. He had come back out, seen of all of them. And gone away, it says. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. And listen, it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you continue to read this chapter, you'll find out that at this time uh, of Pentecost, people had come from all over the world. There are 19 languages mentioned in the Word of God here. And they began to speak, and people heard in their own language. It was all about witness. Every person. In the building, God touched them with the fire of God. Wow. 
I want to talk to you about today more than they expected. They got more than they expected. And here's my takeaway thought. And I hope you'll take this with you this morning. When you're dealing with God, you always get more than you expect. I think that's true. I believe that with all my heart. I want you to take that. Well, I want you to have it in your heart. Let's say this together. When you're dealing with God, say that. Let's say it again. You always get more than you expect. Whoa. Man, if, we don't, if you don't take anything else but that home today, that can change your life. Let's say the whole phrase again all together. When you're dealing with God, you always get more than you expect. Now, as the story goes here, it's talking about, it, it uses a little phrase. <clears throat> it says, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. It, it mentioned here is the filling and the power of the Holy Ghost. I was listening to a fellow preach this week, and man, I mean, he was going, coming down. And he said, the question is not, do you have it? The question is, does it have you? And I said, hmm, that's pretty good. You know why? Every person in this building who is born of God, you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, guess what? The Holy Spirit lives in you and me. He's already there. The it is already in you. But the question is not, do you have it? The question this morning is, does it have you? Right. Maybe I should have said, does it have me? Does it have me? Does it have you? I want you to understand something today. What happens when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit? Things change. You always get a greater assignment than you ever expected. It happened to Elijah. It happened to Moses. It happened to the church. What did he say to them? He literally spoke to each one as if they were the only one. And he said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, therefore, you go, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always. What I am convinced is this. Listen to me carefully. Every one of us in this room today has a world. And your world needs Jesus. Your world may be your neighborhood. Your world may be your work. Your world may be your circle of friends. Your world may be your Facebook. It may be your tweet. I was saying it wrong the other day. My wife said, don't ever say that in church again. They'll get you. I was saying your Twitter or something. Tweeting. I can't get that figured out. But it may be your world, whatever that world is. God said, go into all the world. Here's what will happen. Watch it. You will ne- and I will never know the bounds beyond our local world. You know where they went first? They went to their own town. They went to their own neighborhood. And then God opened another door. And then God opened another door. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. 
You don't have to worry about 10 weeks from now. You don't have to worry about your lifetime. God said, I just want, to, I want you to get it and let it, it get you and send you into your world and watch what happens in your world when you have it and it has you. Because you always, always get more when God is the end. You know, I was thinking about the assignment they had. And I've been watching a lot of basketball. I text some of you and said, who are you picking? And you send it back. I'm enjoying it. Who do you think is going to win the whole thing? You think, how many think Carolina's going to win the whole thing? How many don't think Carolina's going to win the thing? Who do you think is going to win, Brother David? Kentucky. Well, they worked on them last night, didn't they? Look out now. <laughs> it's, done, it's got unholy in here. No, it hadn't really. This is where we are. This is who we are. It's where we live, right? But, you know, trying to send a Christian out into the world without the filling of the Holy Spirit is to send some five-foot guy out to try to guard one of those seven-foot sinners. And he's just looking at his navel. And he's trying to do all he can. He's not up to the task. You know why? If a coach sent him in to do that, his assignment was more than he could do. Right? I wouldn't want to. I mean, I, I, we got some in our church. We got some young guys. I wouldn't call one of my young men back there. I'd be, I can hold him like that. And my arm is going around his waist. And sometimes we feel so inadequate. It's sort of like trying to get a blind person to drive you to work. I like that thing, The Incredibles. Y'all, y'all, anybody ever seen The Incredibles? I like that. That guy's fat. He squeezes into that uniform. And then all of a sudden, here they go. You know? And when he has that, he can do things nobody else can do. This is what the Bible says. All power. Is given unto you in heaven and in earth. Why? Because he identifies it with himself. He said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and guess what? I, the one who have all power in heaven and earth, I am going to be where? With you. Man, I don't understand this world. I, did under, I do understand this little story I, I read about sometime back Associated Press carried this dispatch. It was, this was in Glasgow, Kentucky. I'm doing this to balance the, all the Kentucky people here who think we're going to win. But anyway, Leslie Puckett, after struggling to start his car, lifted a hood and discovered that someone had stolen the motor. It's hard to start a motor when there is no motor there. You know? And sometimes I think in our life we're saying, God, I'm trying to start but I need your motor in me. When you're dealing with God, you always get more than you expect. The second thing that I think that you get when you do this, you get a greater assignment, but you get a greater anointing than you expect. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the first time in the history of the world that God would actually dwell in men like you and me. That actually, when you go home today, if you're a Christian today, 
God himself is going to be in you, going with you. Can you imagine that? The same God who spoke everything into existence. The same God to whom we pray. The same God who died on the cross. The same God who went in the grave. The same God who resurrected from the grave. Guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, he says, I will indwell with you. All the way up to this time, God came upon men. God came upon Gideon and gave him strength. God came upon Samson. He prayed for it. He said, God, I have really, really messed up. Come upon me. God, let me one more time have the strength that you have promised and given me. And God said, okay. And the, and the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him and he stood there between those pillars and supernatural strength. He pushed the pillars down and the Bible says he was able to destroy more of the enemy in that one act. And that one act that he did in the whole rest of his life, God came upon him. God came upon him. God came upon David. But in the New Testament, Jesus said, I'm not going to come upon you. I'm going to come in you. Wow. I'm going to live inside you. I'm going to never leave you. Or what? Forsake you. I think one of the funniest little things that ever happened in my ministry, we had a little boy got saved one Sunday morning. I was trying to encourage him about, you know, knowing that God would never leave him. I said, Sonny boy, have you trusted Christ? He said, yes, sir. I said, where is Jesus right now? He said, in my heart. I said, when you go home, where's he going to be? He said, in my heart. I said, that's right. When you go to school tomorrow, where's he going to be? In my heart. When you're good, where's he going to be? In my heart. When you're bad, where's he going to be? out he, 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 he was so honest I just I was taken aback but no still there you know why because when, when you're dealing with God you get more than you expect and he said I will never leave you or forsake you they had been forgiven they had been confronted They'd been emptied out. They had been filled and indwelled. And God wants that for every one of us. Every moment, God Almighty was living inside them. Number three. When you are living for God, serving God, Seeking the filling of God. Or whether you are just trying to be a Christian at whatever level. You're going to find that you will have a greater adversity than you ever expected. How many believe the devil's real? How many believe he wants to destroy God's people? Right? I mean, he is. How many believe that there's a war going on? And it's for the souls of men. And if he can't get your soul, guess what? He'll try to make you miserable, right? You know, y'all don't know how crazy I am. And I'm glad. I have these crazy thoughts. And and my wife may get a little upset with me, but yesterday I was just, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how our adversary gets a hold of people and how he turns things on us, and I started singing a little to myself, just kind of singing. Because this is just 
when I should be happy. I'm a feeling sad. When I should be good, then I'm being bad. Send the Carter letter. Send it every day. Can't seem to figure out if you're near or far away. I don't know why they put that on it. Y'all ever hear people singing? They go, but I figured I could too if they could. So I just made me up a little song and I'm singing to myself. Because you know what? We have an adversary that like a roaring lion tries to go in and get us every one of them. You know what protected more than anything? The filling of the Holy Spirit of God. It comes into our life. It changes our life. They had adversity from the same things we do. They had adversity from the government. I'm sad to say, and I'm going to say a whole lot more about it as we get along. I'm sad to say for the first time in my life, I believe we have a government that is actually trying to destroy Christianity in America. Doing everything they can. Denying the national day of prayer and not even going, folks. And all kinds of things. You go and look at the list of things. But you know what? That's always been the enemy's plan. And in the midst of that, God needs some people who are filled with the Holy Spirit to confront what the government would try to do. Culture. We're fighting a culture. They were fighting a culture. They were as opposite of what their culture was as anybody can be. You know what else they had to fight? They had an enemy called the church. I believe the greatest enemy to Christianity is religion. I hate religion. I really do. Culture was, in, in Jesus' day, culture was represented by the press, or they called them here, scribes. The media. Isn't that a new thought? And the church. And watch it. They were facing scribes and Pharisees. Self-righteousness in the church is killing us. Well, I may not be all good, but I'll tell you one thing, I'm better than he is. No, you're not. You know what the Bible says? All our righteousness says are as what? Filthy rags, hallelujah. You know what that does? That puts us all on the same ground. And the only way that a man and a woman like you and me will be able to confront what's trying to come against us, destroy our nation, and take away God's blessing upon this nation is to have some spirit-filled Christians who will stand in the gap, let the fire of God touch God's people, and God will change things. Hallelujah. Because when you're dealing with God, you get what? More than you expect. There was another enemy they had, I think. It's the enemy to the filling 
of God. Now listen carefully. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a suggestion for God's people. It's a command. The Bible puts it this way. Don't be filled with wine or in excess, but you be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Right? It's the greatest gift ever given to the church. Bar none. The greatest gift. It's our secret to prayer. It's our secret to victory. It's our secret to circling our family. It's our secret to stopping the hordes of hell against our nation, our homes, and who we are. It's our secret. And listen to me. Nobody else has it in the world but God's people. What do you think it would be like today if there were a million Jesuses walking around on this earth? Can I tell you something? There is. Every place in this whole world that there is a believer, Jesus is indwelling that believer. The Holy Spirit of God is indwelling that believer. And every place a believer walks, Jesus is walking. The problem is we let all kind of junk get in our life so that we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit because we're filled with everything else. Self. Anybody ever caught one of those? We call them puff fish. Y'all know what a puff? Anybody ever caught a one where you where you catch that thing and you he looks like a fish and you lay him on the thing and in a little while he's like that. I kind of understand that feeling. I mean, you know, I really watch what I eat. Y'all, you you need to know that. I may watch it a little too much, but but it seems like I can smell cake. And gained three pounds. Honest. We caught one of those last time I went fishing. Caught that thing and it has little prickly spines on its back. And you know, you bring it up and you have to be real careful with it. You take it off, you lay it on the end and just swell, swells up. Christians who let pride come in. Their life. I mean, let me ask you a question. Can a person be filled with the Spirit of God who lets fear live in their heart? Come on, talk to me. The answer is what? No. Can a person be filled with the Holy Spirit who allows hatred to live in their heart? Do your head like this. Can a person be filled with the Holy Spirit who allows lust to live in their heart? No. No. Anger, unforgiveness, sin, things of this world, pursuits that are more important than God. Let's watch this. If I could take our spirit and our heart today and say, God, 
All my fears belong to you. My job belongs to you. My health belongs to you. Right? Right? Yeah. You believe God's in control of everything? Yeah, me too. My mind's in, Lord, I, I want to take all I have and all I am. And I, I want to get somewhere. And I want to dump it all out. And I want to take an empty heart and say, God, may the fire of God's Holy Spirit come and indwell me and fill me up. You got me? You see? Are you with me? Understand what I'm saying? Now watch this. When I take, when I take my hatred and I put it back in a pitcher that's filled with the Holy Spirit, it turns to forgiveness. When, when, I, when I take my fear and I stick it in that which is filled with the Holy Spirit, it turns into peace. See what I'm saying? When he gets a hold of it, when I take my job and I put it in there, it turns into purpose. And I could go through everything in our life that might keep us from being absolutely what God wants us to be. And you know what the cure to all of it is? Being filled with the Holy Spirit, dumping it all out, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then taking those things and putting them in a vessel that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And that brings me to the last point. When we're dealing with God, we always get more than expected because the answer that we get is always greater than we expected. The answer. These people were praying, oh God, help us. God, help us. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And they that were that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day, that 120 people, the same day, that 120 people says, they were added unto them 3,000 people in one day. What would we do? Come on, let's just, let's just play a little bit. I mean, what would we do? If God got in every one of us and the, and the fire of God got in us, consumed us, and we turned our lives over to him, and all of a sudden we began to go out and we just inviting our friends, you know, they just spoke in us. They didn't even understand what they were saying. The, they, the other people understood what they were saying. It was the reverse of the Tower of Babel. They all heard in their own voice and they just shared with them the love of God. And all of a sudden, 120 turned into 3,000. I don't know what we'd do if 3,000 showed up next Sunday morning. But I'd like it. Woo, I'd like it. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Acts 4, 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was 5,000. Next time. 3,000. Every day somebody receiving Christ. Well, another day 5,000. Man, 
Acts chapter 5, verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multi- multitudes, both men and women. Acts chapter 11, verse 24. Speaking of one man, yet he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added to the church. Acts chapter 17. Then Jason and certain brethren of the rulers of the city crying, these People have turned the world upside down. Come on. We've got three, four hundred in here this morning. Children over there. Young people. They started with 120. What happened? They poured it all out. They asked him to come in and fill them. They took all those things. And put them back in and let the Holy Spirit take care of it. Their cleansing took place. I say to you again, when you're dealing with God, you always get more than expected. I'm going to tell you, very seldom ever do this. I'll tell you a personal experience. I had come up in church. Heard a lot of preaching, great preaching, the greatest preachers in the world that day. Very active in church. Our youth group was very active. I had made a decision as to where I was going to go. I argued with God, surrendered my will to God. Had a lot of things that I wanted to do. Came to the point where I knelt Beside a trail walking home after a ball game. And say, God, I'm not much. But everything I am, my dreams, my desires, I give to you. Peace. I, never, I, I don't know that I've ever experienced such peace. A few months later, a man came to our church and preached. God was in that place. I came forward that night. And I said, oh, God, I surrender my life and my will again. But more importantly, this time, I surrender to whatever you want me to do. But I need your help. I could take you to the spot. In fact, about two years ago, I went back to the spot in that church. It was on this side of the auditorium. And I got just about where I was that day. And I knelt again and said, God, I still say that. I still want it. That moment wasn't just a moment of surrender. That moment was a moment of emptying. And I got to give you a testimony. I have never experience the joy of the Lord like I did that moment. God came into my teenage heart. He filled me with such a joy that I've never known. My life has never been the same. It was such an experience. I thought I got saved again. I went to our pastor who happened to be my dad and I said, Dad, I want to be baptized. He said, Son, you've been baptized a long time ago. I said, I don't care. I don't know what happened to me. 
I have no idea what happened to me, but I know something has happened to me that's changed. And if this is salvation, I don't want to take any chances. And if it's not, I just want to celebrate. I got to be baptized again. And my father baptized me again. Looking back on it, I didn't need to get baptized again. I was already saved. Guess what had happened? God had just come and filled my life that time. Our problem is that we leak. Understand what I'm saying? So I've had to go back over and over and over again and say, God, fill me again. (laughs) Fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again. Greatest moment in my life. And I want that for you more than I could want anything. Your salvation is important. You have to be saved in order for Christ to come in. And then you surrender and He indwells in fullness. Holy Spirit working in you. What happens when a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit? He takes an old grump and makes them glad. He takes a sour man and makes them sweet. He takes a mean person and makes them kind. He takes all the hatefulness out and turns us into loving people. He takes selfishness out and makes us generous and sad and makes us joyful, worryful. He turns us to peaceful. He turns a shy person into a bold person when they start talking about Jesus. He takes the impatient and turns them into long-suffering. He takes the harsh person and makes them gentle. I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit comes in and takes over you, He will drastically Change your life as we surrender to him. Now let me just conclude with this. When you and I stand before the bar of God for our rewards, none of, nobody in here who is a Christian will ever stand before the great white throne of God. That's for sentencing. That's for sinners. That's when God sends them back to hell. And the last time they ever get to see him, the last time they ever see any loved ones, and they're separated from God forever. But our judgment is a judgment of our deeds, our works. And we get rewards. Here's what I don't want you to ever forget. When I stand before God, I am not rewarded according to what I have done. I am rewarded according to what I could have done if the Holy Spirit had had me all my life. Don't you think that if God was willing to submit himself and come and live inside you and live in us and live in us, don't you think that somehow God was saying, what in the world are you thinking I came down from heaven and I live in you so you could accomplish things that you could never do without me. You could do things. We could do things. Church could do things. The world is out there. And the Bible teaches that we will not be rewarded according to what we have done only, but according to what we could have done if the Holy Spirit was in us. The fire of God comes down and touches God's people. And it changes us. It's marvelous. It's wonderful. Scintillating. Liberating. Invigorating. Holy Spirit's power.
Because you always get more than you expected when we deal with God. I think God will probably take us and I'll get to see people. And I'll get to see some people that I never dreamed. I'll get to see some people that I never knew. But once I get to heaven, the Bible says we'll know each other as we're known. And I'll find out there's a little lady somewhere in the backside of some place who's been a faithful soldier of Jesus. She may have marks on her back because of those people who tried to make her get away from her faith. And everything, her family may have left her. Some of our guys know Daryl Van Horn. He and his wife Susie, they helped us in the early part of our church. They're now over in a Muslim nation. And he told me this. We've been praying together. He said, Pastor, I've got about 10 or 12 men that are coming to my prayer group. One of those guys is real close. He's a Muslim and he's trying to find out. And he said, I'm telling you, he's, he's finding what the Word of God says about a resurrected Christ. He's learning about it. He said, he's that close to being saved. But if he, is, if he does, he's going to have to turn loose of everything. His family. Everything. The next day I got a thing to him that said, Hey preacher, 10 minutes ago, that man bowed his head and accepted Jesus Christ into his personal self, into his life. And I'm just saying to you, there's some folks in this world who got scars on them. And man, they're going to have stars on their stripes. They're going to have crowns to lay at the feet of Jesus. They're going to have rewards to praise him with. And I believe every one of us will stand up there one day and God's going to roll back a big curtain and he's going to share with you and with me what I could have had if I had let the Holy Spirit fill my life. Makes sense? Don't forget that in that moment, the Bible says, and the cloven tongues of fire touched all of them. It's not for your neighbor, not for your friend. This is for you. And I'm praying that God will speak to our hearts today. I'm praying that God is going to ignite in us a desire. And I promise you the answer will be greater than you expected. Should you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we are so grateful as we sit in this place today that you're our God, you're our Savior, you know all about us. And Lord, we long in our spirit for you to have control. We want you, O oh God, to come into this place. We want you, O oh God, to be honored. I, I, I can't even imagine how you must feel toward every individual in this church. Lord, we don't even know each other, but you know us. And this Bible is for them. In this moment, Lord, create us in us this wonderful spirit. This desire to empty ourselves and let you fill us. Now, it doesn't really matter. Keep your heads bowed just a minute. It really doesn't matter how. We do this. What does matter is that God sees a heart that really, really, really wants Him to have it all. 
a heart that's willing to dump it all out so that he can come in. I want you to stand with your heads bowed, everyone. And as Christians are thinking about this, I just want to talk to you if you're here today and you do not yet know that Christ is your Savior. I'm going to invite folks to come forward. And I want to invite you, if you've never trusted Christ, you're not sure, I want to invite you today to come, take my hand, say, Pastor, I want to accept Christ today. Right here. If you've been praying about membership, go see David. But our primary invitation today is for those people who desire to be empty and filled and useful and blessed by the Holy Spirit of God. And as we begin to sing right now, I want to encourage you to come, find your place, say whatever God wants to say to you right now.